Hello and welcome to West Indies on 99.94 Cricket Every Day. My name is Mashal St. Patrick Hewitt, one half of the Caribbean Cricket Podcast, and with me as ever is Santoki Nagilendran, the other half of the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. West Indies on 99.94 is your new home for West Indies cricket content, and we'll be dropping into your podcast feed on YouTube or on the 99.94 app several times every week. So like, rate, review, share, subscribe. You know the drill by now. And thanks for joining Cricket's Conversation. So, Santoki, you and I have been talking in the WhatsApp last few days, talking about West Indies cricket, this, this, that, that, and all and all of the above. And we were talking about, what's the next thing we're going to do on West Indies on 99.94? What's the next big topic to talk about? And as we were going back and forth, we were seeing clips of Carl Mayer's bowling a booming in-swinger in the SAT20, um, the, the, the MI Emirates team in the UAE League, which is basically a West Indies side smashing over 200 runs. And I sent you a message, Santoki, and I think I posted something on Twitter basically saying, it feels like this T20 cricket thing is just, it's just never ending now, Santoki. Like you can't turn left or right without seeing another T20 league. There was the Nepalese one earlier in the, earlier in the month. Now we've got the UAE one, we've got the SAT 21. Um, then we're going to have to try fitting some West Indies cricket in between all of this. And I'm, the thing is, Santoki, we're not dinosaurs. So relatively speaking, we're young in this cricket game, relatively speaking. And I just wonder, Santoki, when is too much T20 cricket? Yeah, when is, well, sorry, when is, when, when is, when is so, too much of it too much, if you get what I mean? And I guess that'll, that'll be my intro for you, Santoki. Take that one away. Oh, wait, well, I think I think we've reached that point at the moment. As you said, we've just had the Nepalese Premier League was in December. A few West Indians, as always, took part in that. We've currently got the Bangladesh Premier League, the new South African T20 League. You've still got the Big Bash League going on, and then you've got the big UAE League going on. So well, I guess what we're trying to say, Mash, in this, as you said, we're not dinosaurs. We understand how T20 cricket works. But this just feels like a pivotal moment in cricket in history. I mean, look how many franchise tournaments are going on. At the moment, and it, it's kind of like we just want to know, or we, we've sort of been discussing amongst ourselves, one, who is watching all of these leagues? Like, is there anyone in the world who is watching all... Like, is there someone who has an Abu Dhabi Knight Riders kit and then takes it off and starts supporting, <laughs> you know, the Dakar, the Dakar Warriors or whatever they're called in the Bangladesh? Like, is there, some, <laughs> is there someone who's so emotionally invested in all of these leagues that each match, each match and result matters? Or is it a case of what is the plan of all these leagues? Is it a case of... Okay, we get the local market. So similar to me and you, Mash, we watch the CPL. We watch every single game pretty much. We follow the CPL um, because it's essentially our local our local franchise league, the league we have interest in. And then we kind of take an interest in other leagues if a West Indian does well, generally. Um, but we don't really follow the other leagues in as much detail. So is it a case of that is what they're expecting all fans to be like? Or are they expecting some consistency in terms of fans supporting you know, the, the Mumbai Indians team in the UAE or the Mumbai Indians team that's representative in the South African League. What is sort of what is sort of the ideal demographic they're targeting here is, is the first one to ask. And the second one, Mash, um, I'll put to you to answer first. Do you think the players really care about what franchise league they're playing for? Like, if Carl Mayers takes these wickets for, you know, I don't even know what, was it Durban? The Durban Giants or something like that? If he takes <laughs> wickets for... I, don't think it's, I think it's Durban Superchargers or something. I don't even know what they're right, called Durban. yet. <laughs> All right, Durban, when, when Carl Mayers takes well, wicket for Durban Superchargers, is it a case of he feels, 
he feels the passion, he's kissing the badge, it means a lot to him. Or is it literally a case of, we've, I'm, I'm making money from this, let me go along with it. So, firstly, Max, from a player perspective, how would you kind of imagine players envision playing for all these different franchises? <laughs> and the, <laughs> the thing is, Antoki, people, people will listen to this episode and think, we're just mocking it just for the sake of it. But these are genuine, these are genuine questions. Yeah. Because let and let's deal with that player players one first. Because and I'm really glad you've asked that question because that's exactly what I was thinking. And that's what prompted me to, to to tweet on our Caribbean cricket podcast handle the other day, saying I've had enough of it all. Because you're using Carl Mayers, but we I, I might even use like Akil Hussein. A couple of weeks ago, he's bowling for I think Melbourne Renegades or something yeah. in the the the, the the Australian one, the Big Bash League. Fast forward now, I think he's now with the Knight Riders or Abu Dhabi Knight Riders in this international UAE league or whatever it's called. And I just don't get... We're not professional athletes, obviously, but I just don't get how you jet set from team to team and give a damn. I, 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 don't, I don't get it. Obviously, the, 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 the incentive is the big bag. So I get it in terms of money, but how do they motivate themselves for like, how do you motivate yourself to go from tournament to tournament to like all of these entities? These teams are all pointless to me, unless unless you're someone like a Jason Holder who effectively is signed with a franchise group. I don't. Un- okay, so Robin Powell's a good example. Robin Powell is currently playing for is it? I don't even know what they're called. Is it Dubai Capitals or something? I think they might be called that. Yeah. And obviously, yeah. if IPL, I think he plays for, is it Delhi Capitals? I can't remember what that team's called either, right? So if you're someone like a Rothman Powell, who's a quote-unquote lucky enough to be part of a franchise group, I maybe, I maybe can just about get it, how you'd be like, well, boy, I'm kissing the shirt because I rep this franchise group all over yeah. the world. And, you know, I know all the people behind the scenes and uh, the, 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 the big boss man, I know him because I'm repping his group. If you're in that position, like a Rothman Powell or Jason Holder for the Royals group, I just about get it. I can just about understand how you'd build up some kind of passion. If you're just signing like a Dre Russ from team to team to team, look at Dre Russ. Dre Russ went flew to Australia, played four games, ducked out, went home for Christmas, flew over to UAE to play however many games he's going to play in this UAE league. Then he'll duck out from that to go to IPL, play all that season, then duck out from like, where's the. I don't do we we need to get a player on Santoki. We actually need to get a player on to to legitimately they'll never they'll never they'll never um give us give an honest answer because they'd they'd give us the PR answer. Oh the oh yeah. I've always I've always cherished playing for um the 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 Dubai Capitals. It's been a dream of mine to pull up. They'll give us some nonsense PR answer. But I would love a player who's maybe quit from it now, isn't no longer on the circuit. And who just go, you know what? This was just about the bag. The the way that the 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 nature of cricket is now, it benefits us as players. We're all searching for the big bag, and that's all that matters. But then I put back to you then, Santoki. Let me put this question back to you. If you're a fan, as you said, I guess, who's the person or who are the other than the stats guys? And I'm not digging out mm. at any of you lot who may be watching this, but other than like the kind of stats guys who spend like their most of their time on Twitter telling us about who does this in the power play and who hits well against off break bowling and in, at this stage, apart from them people, who cares? 
Who actually cares from tournament to tournament what's actually happening? And and I genuinely mean that, Santoki. Who cares? Well, yeah, this is the thing. I think, like, what we've seen in South Africa, I will give credit to the South African T20 League. The crowds have been big from the glimpses that I've caught. There's been a lot of fans, you know, and, you know, South African cricket has, has reached low points in the last few months with the test side. So this seems like, you know, something something refreshing for South African cricket. But beyond that, Mash, you know, the whole concept of T20 cricket was it was concise, compact and short. So if you are following four leagues, even if you're following two leagues, you're essentially needing to spend eight to 12 hours a day watching 12 T20 cricket, which essentially defeats the whole purpose of it. So I, I would love to know, as you said, people involved in stats or in the industry are going to take, uh, I have to take uh, an interest in kind of what's going on in the different leagues. But purely fans who watch cricket for entertainment, how many are actually watching these leagues? And more importantly, Mash, are these leagues sustainable? Do we see in, in three years, is the Bangladesh Premier League still going to exist? The Nepalese Premier League, the players didn't get paid. A lot of them left early. Sikandar Raza from Zimbabwe left early because he didn't get paid. Um, it feels like that That is kind of seems like a short-term league. So is the competition even, is all this competition even good for T20 cricket? It doesn't it not mean that some leagues will be unsustainable and drop out. And, you know, those, those are sort of questions. This, this obviously isn't a one-off year. Next year, we'll be having the same conversation. There might even be another T20 league popping up to add to it, um, what, all, the, all, all the schedules at the moment. But, Mash, I just want to touch on what you said, actually. It's quite interesting. So, with Andre Russell, he plays for franchises. As you said, he played for, I think, Melbourne Renegades, similar to Kill Same for three games he played. Um, and now he's going on to UAE League. The important thing with Russell is he doesn't play for West Indies. so. In actual fact, it'd be interesting, as you said, we'll probably never get a true answer. In terms of cricket, does he just see it as something, you know, I collect the bag and I move on franchise to franchise because there's no context of playing for an international side. At least with maybe an Akil Hussain, you can say, all right, he collects the bag when he needs to, but West Indies cricket is sort of his sort of national national thing that he can play for. Gives him context, you know, he's got the World Cup, something you can genuinely play with pride for. But in the case of Russell, is it just a case of, Cricket has just become a gig where you go franchise to franchise, you just pick up the money, and essentially you're not really going to be that passionate about the franchise, but essentially the main aim of cricket is to make as much money as you can because he's not playing for West Indies, so he doesn't have that patriotic aspect to his career at the moment. That would be something I'd be very, very interested to find out. And is that also a shift in mentality with players? Are they just going to suddenly think, or not suddenly, over the coming years think, you know what, international cricket's not really... Not really for me. The patriotism is not worth it. I'd rather just, you know, cricket, I've got to make as much money as I can. I've got a short career. Let me just go franchise league to franchise league, play a few games here and there and pick up big money. Because at the moment, based on the calendar, you could probably spend 10, 11 months going gig to gig in franchise leagues and picking up money. So where, where does, what I'm trying to say, Matthew, is, is a convoluted answer. What I'm trying to say is where does international cricket fit into all of this in terms of players? Do you know, that's, that's something I can't answer. In, in the short time we have before the break. So let me, let's take a quick break. And then on the other side of the break, let's try delve into that question a bit more. I'm Neil Manthorpe, one half of South Africa on 99.94 with Lungani Zama. We're covering the Rainbow Nation as it undergoes its biggest transition since readmission. We cover every part of the South African game on 99.94. And you can hear us several times a week where you find your podcasts or on YouTube. Now, before I answer that question you posed before the break, Santoki, let me just say this. We're not here either to be like one of those kind of cricket people who's like, oh, this is the primacy of test cricket. That's the truest form of the game. And that's all that matters. No, I'm not here to do. I'm not here to make that argument either. I'm just here to say that right now, T20 feels like it's completely oversaturated. 
Now, to answer the earlier question you posed about players like Andre Russ, for example, Santoki, I guess I kind of return to an earlier point in so much as I think possibly some of the players might have sensed that this can only last for so long. And if I was a player in that situation, I couldn't blame them in terms of just going from team to team to team to tournament to tournament. Just make hay whilst you can. Because there's got to be a shelf life to this, Santoki. Because this bubble, to me, cannot last. Only some of these leagues can possibly sustain themselves over time. Um, I think if we look at something like a CPL, how long did it take a league like CPL, which I would say is actually worth watching because CPL at least is unique. We at least with CPL have the selling point of we're a vibes league. No other league, no other league around the world brings the off-field vibes that CPL can bring. So at least CPL's got a tagline that sets itself apart from every other tournament that goes on a, uh, in, in a calendar year. But look how long it took CPL to really say, you know what, we're breaking even or we're making a tiny yeah. piece of peas off this, right? So every time these tournaments start up, I'm looking at them thinking, you're not even making money out of this stuff yet. And how long are these franchise owners prepared to put their money in when they're not even making any real dividends off it? And it just feels like, it feels like, a cash cow for the players that is eventually going to implode. And in that, in that sense, no one can blame the players. Somebody is out. These people, these money bags guys are out there basically saying, everyone take a big bag for basically no work, right? There's not even, who even cares if you win the tournament? Like, yes, you're going to get a big bag anyway. So everyone come gather around Father Christmas time, come take a big bag. That's what it feels like. But I guess, and I, I put this then back to you, Santoki, obviously there'll be the people who say, but IPL is different because IPL is this, IPL is that. And maybe in some senses, yes, IPL is a multi-million um, industrial complex that will outlive everybody. Um, and you've always said that you think IPL will eventually just consume the whole calendar at some point in time. And I've always railed against you saying that, Santoki, but check this out. I actually wonder, Santoki, if the way forward with T, I can't believe I'm about to say this. I actually cannot believe I'm about to say this. The only way I see T20 cricket being sustainable going forward in terms of these leagues is if IPL actually gets longer. I cannot believe I'm saying that. But hear me out. It's the longest one right now. It's the one that has the most, that gets the most money. It's the one with the biggest viewership. And I guess it's almost the one with the most context because of just how much money and investment and stakeholders are kind of, it, it basically controls international cricket schedules in essence, right? If IPL extended so that it became like an NBA season, if you, if you, ca if you catch my drift, then I could just about understand the point of T20 leagues. That does, mm. By the way, I'm not saying I want that to happen, but I guess what I'm saying to you, Santok, is this whole thing of a UAE... So let's, what have we got? Ne Nepalese League, Bangladesh League, South Africa League, UAE League, CPL, Pakistani League, 100, T20 Blast, uh, did I say PSL? It, uh, mm. that, this all before we include IPL. So that's at least 10 leagues I think I've just mentioned. And then there's somehow you have to fit international cricket all around that. BBL, 11 leagues. Santoki, come on, man. <laughs> it don't make no, it don't make no sense. 
<laughs> listen, listen, with this episode is as as, as blacklisted us from ever working with any T20 franchise. <laughs> I think you know what, yeah. With to be honest, Mash, I think with the IPL as well, I think one important USP it has is if you want to watch Virat Kohli, the biggest cricketer in terms of fandom in the mm. world, you're not going to see him in any of these franchise leagues. He only plays in the IPL. All the Indian players only play in the IPL. So the IPL has that novelty as well of you can only see certain players. Whereas, you know, like a Dre Russell or a Holder from a West Indies perspective, you can see them at numerous franchise leagues. So that novelty, in essence, that kind of, you kind of lose the importance of it because if a Kohli plays in, in the IPL, you know you have to savor that period because he's not going to play in any other franchise leagues. If you miss one league with a, with a, you know, a Dre Rush, you know in a few weeks there'll be another way you can see him. So IPL has that novelty factor. And I do think, you know, IPL will consume the cricket calendar. I've always said it. I think within the next five years, we'll see IPL six to nine months um, training cancer players off-season when they're not playing, that kind of thing, and taking an NBA-style model. We're kind of already seeing it with Mumbai Indians setting up a training camp uh, this summer in England for the likes of Derwald Brevis from South Africa and those players to kind of groom them and get them prepared for playing in the IPL um, in the following year. So it is sort of going that way, Mash. But like you said, I also agree that with these other leagues, there does seem to be a very short-term in the term aspect to it in terms of I don't believe in five years if we'll see a Bangladesh Premier League exist, for instance. So there is that aspect and it kind of just... As we titled the episode, it's a, it's an oversaturation match. I just don't know, like, in terms of where is the context at this point? Where is the context of cricket? And how can a sport fundamentally exist without this context? You know, in football, the Premier League, we've got nine months of it. That is the context. Then you've got the World Cup or international football within that. It just looks at the moment bits and pieces everywhere. And it's just there's no context to it. And it's important to us because, obviously, we, we, love, we like T20 cricket. We're not anti-T20 cricket. We appreciate it, the format. Um, but we also save our international cricket, and it just feels like the balance has shifted towards this T20 franchise cricket at the sacrifice of international cricket. But when you're not sure about the context of T20 cricket and just how long term it is, you're thinking, is it a wise move to sign, kind of put international cricket on the back burner for something for franchise cricket, which might only exist in this form for the next few years? I mean, in five years, if three, or, if three of these leagues that are playing at the moment don't exist anymore, you've already you've already reduced the importance of international cricket so much. I think it'd be hard to bring it back to sort of the pinnacle that it was. So I think cricket has a lot to think about, but ultimately money has the final say, Mash. So I think, if anything, we'll, realistically, we'll only ever see more leagues pop up um, over time. And I don't think this will be sort of a one-off year where we, we where we bemoan the oversaturation of T20 cricket and then next year, normal service resumes. I think this is just the start of a growing trend towards more and more T20 cricket. Listen, I'm going to save a final point for after the next break. But before I just get there, I did just want to raise uh, a kind of tid point because every now and again, when I've criticised this kind of uh, ubiquitous nature of T20 cricket, like there seems to be a league on now every day of the year. Um, sometimes people say to me, yeah, but it's not, it's no different to any other sport. And I always think they're missing the point. The difference with other sports, and let's just take football, for example, I can watch... Um, the English Premier League, watch the Bundesliga, watch Serie A, watch Liga, watch um, whatever, La Liga, right? But I'm not seeing the same players in all of these leagues. So each league has its own individual context. So yes, people can say to me, oh, but it's no different to different leagues existing in other countries. Yeah, in, con in, in, that, in that simplistic sense, yes. But if football ever became a case where 
I could see Lionel Messi turn out one day for PSG, then one day for Manchester United, then the next time for um, Atalanta. And then the, that would get very boring very quickly because nobody wants to see. And this, well, maybe this is the whole point. Who wants to see the same players playing everywhere all the time? I, I just I just don't buy that people want to see that. And like you said earlier on, Santoki, the IPL has a, a, a distinct UPS because that's the only place you're going to see these players. So it's it's they can stand aside and say, well, actually, this is the only, this is what, I don't know if you're going to say it's elite cricket, but this is the only place you're going to see the Indian actual cricketers. Um, and yeah. no other league has that. No other league has that kind of value set to it. Yeah, I think I think it's important just before we go to a break match. I wonder if, you know, the think tanks and these franchises or, you know, those in charge of cricket are hoping that football, because, you know, football at the moment as well, we are moving towards an era where, you know, players are supported more than teams. So, for instance, Cristiano Ronaldo fans who supported Man United a lot, you know, will go on to support Al Sadd in Saudi Arabia where he's playing for. So, it, it, could that be the vision of cricket in terms of, you don't support a franchise, you support a player. So I'm a Dre Russ fan. I'm going to support whatever franchise Dre Russ plays for. So is it moving towards that sort of celeb kind of idolization of players rather than the team? Which is kind of, we've seen it in football, particularly on, I think, more on social media and online, where fans support a particular player. So if Lionel Messi went to Manchester United tomorrow, all the fans who were supporting him, who liked him, who like Messi would go on to support Man United rather than stick with PSG because their loyalty is with Messi rather than the team. Is that sort of the vision for for cricket to support the player rather than uh, rather than the franchise? Because other than that, I mean it, that still doesn't make sense to me. But at least there's some logic behind the marketing and the kind of vision. But other than that, match, I just don't see where this is going. Basically, you almost essentially answered this question from Makunda, who said, "Do you think cricket will become like football clubs, franchise cricket?" How do you think the future of cricket will look like? And you've almost that la the latter part of that question, you've almost answered that. Is the is the way forward just following the player? I personally couldn't do that, Santelki. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could you... unless, it's, unless it's a family member, I'm, I'm not supporting a player that much, you know. <laughs> yeah. You'll never see me wear the Rothman Powell from every single uh uh um jersey from every single club he goes to around the world that don't make no sense to me <laughs> whatsoever <laughs> but listen let's take the final break and then on the other side i just want to look at um how close t20 cricket is to to eating itself let's take one more break hi i'm nick eshragani commentator and host of the india on 99.94 podcast several times each week my co-host sarah waris and i We'll be bringing you the very best in Indian cricket chat. Whether we're discussing the legend of Julan Goswami, KL Rahul's strike rate, the men's T20 death bowling woes, or the latest controversy involving the BCCI, we've got you covered. You can listen and subscribe via your usual podcast provider. Just search for India on 99.94. You can watch us via YouTube and you can download the 99.94 app. If you love Indian cricket, then join us our conversation so let's just wrap this up Santelki right at the very beginning or near the beginning you spoke uh, you I think you said a, a, a line or a phrase like um can each league essentially exist with its own within its own market okay so let's look at this SAT 20 league right now you're right the few highlights that I've caught of this tournament so far crowds are up 
there's excitement and that's good to see. And, and let's not get away from the fact, of course, that the whole point of this SAT20 league is South African cricket needs the peas. And the only way they could realistically get peas is running this tournament. And let, I think all of the teams are owned by, are all the teams IPL teams or owned by IPL owners? I think that's yeah. how it goes in the SAT20 league. So it's essentially IPL. It's a mini IPL, but in South Africa is essentially what it looks like, right? But like I say, the crowds are up. It's, there, there seems a certain kind of flavor to it, uh, maybe because it's in a, it's in the, it's in warm weather and all of that, whatever. Okay, but I guess what I'm saying to you is, South Africa have their market; they have their own fan base coming out to watch it. There's, there'll be the overseas. Don't even know if we're allowed to say it, but there'll be overseas financial transactions taking place on matches. Let's call it like that. Let's call it that diplomatically. There'll be overseas financial transactions taking place, which will have a big viewership on the leagues like that um, as well. There'll be the TV um, rights deals, which will have an impact on that as well. And you spoke earlier on about ultimately money talks. But I guess my question then, Santoki, is how sustainable is each country's UPS. So how many hmm. how many seasons into the SAT20 league? Look like look at Big Bash. For the last however many years now people have been saying it's too long, crowds are down. You you like you pan to like clips of the Big Bash and you'll see like they'll be inside like a what 70,000 seat stadium with about 15,000 people or something like that. Crowds are down, the top tier Aussie players don't even play in it. So what's the point of the league exactly? You don't necessarily get top-tier players even going over to play the Big Bash League. So what's the point? I'd love a Big Bash person to come on the show and say and explain what the purpose of that league still is, right? And even if we look at CPL now, CPL has been hit by COVID over the last few years. So it's only been played in certain places. And yes, they, they've had to kind of, um, what do you want to say, dilute the tournament in terms of how much travel viability there is to it now. Um we, we we saw the changing of the times of matches to 10 o'clock in the morning, which kind of takes away some of the UPS of the league because then where's the vibes at 10 o'clock in the morning because it's just suiting the TV audience. So I guess all of what I'm saying adds to this particular question, Santoki. We said right at the start, who's watching it? Are we basically just running these leagues for an Asian market to watch the leagues? And if that's all we're running the leagues for, we might as well just have a nine-month IPL. Do you, do, you, do you get? I know that sounds. I know. I know that sounds a bit ridiculous. But do you get what I mean? Like, if your league isn't even running for your own country to benefit from it, in terms of the people watching, if you're if the people in your own country ain't even really feeling it like that, or within your own mm-hmm. region, what's the point of the league per se, other than private companies and business people just taking whatever peas they can get out of it? Yeah, I think that I think that's a fair question, and it's something we've seen in international cricket. I mean, you only you make a big profit if you play a test series against India, as opposed to like you know like a, a, a South Africa or Zimbabwe. So I think the market and you know the financial dynamics means you're always going to have to target the Asian market just because of sheer the sheer population and interest in cricket in that region and the finances it brings. I think CPL is a perfect point you raise. You know, playing games at 10 a.m. In the Caribbean, not many people, very minimal, are going to come out and watch games at 10 a.m. in the morning T20 cricket. I guess anywhere in the world, you wouldn't go and watch T20 cricket at 10 a.m. in the morning. It doesn't suit the niche of the sport. But it was played because in India, it's a 7 p.m. start, which is peak time audience for TV ratings, sponsorship, advertisements. So I think that is a very viable question, Mash. And I think it's one 
you know, which would explain a lot of logic behind these franchise leagues. And I think, Mash, one important point we haven't mentioned is, you know, we talked about saturation of T20 cricket, which would be fine if it was in and of itself. So if January was just a month for these T20 leagues, it'd be fine. But we, mm. we haven't mentioned so far, Mash, it's important to remember, South Africa forfeited their free ODI Super League games against Australia so this league can launch. Now, they've essentially risked World Cup qualification um, <laughs> to host this tournament. So if we, we've said on previous episodes, from a West Indies perspective, the ODI World Cup is the pinnacle World Cup in terms of legacy and what it means. It's built up that reputation, even in comparison to the T20 World Cup. So if South Africa, if the South African Cricket Board have unanimously um, have united and agreed to you know forfeit and potentially scupper any chances they have of even making a tournament to hold a franchise league match, what what are we meant to take from that? Are we meant to say if you if you're a South African fan, are you meant to essentially say international cricket is not as important as this SA T20 league going on at the moment? That's a good point, and I guess what I'd say, um, and I should we should put that question to our. Uh, uh, Laguni and um, uh, Neil uh, Neil Manthorpe on um, on uh, South Africa on ninety nine point nine four. We should put the question to them because obviously they were super despondent at the lick down that South Africa got in Australia. But we should just we should say to them, guys, it's all right because your cricket board says that none of that matters anyway <laughs> because because the SAT Twenty League is the most important thing for South African cricket. And I'm not laughing to make a joke of it. What other conclusion are you supposed to take? We we cussed out Shimron Hetmeyer for missing two planes to miss out on a World Cup. South Africa forfeited an entire international series and potentially, essentially jeopardise even going to an ODI World Cup just to set up a T20 league. If this doesn't signal where, and again, you asked it earlier on Santoki, in many ways, this that particular issue signals where international cricket possibly is currently at for all but the nations who can afford to to which which is three of them who can afford to just play international cricket whenever however much of it they want to and whenever they feel like it's unprecedented and as you always say Santokin I'll give you the final word in it then before we wrap the show it's unprecedented but maybe that's just the beginning yeah I think I think what I think you know what in cricket it's kind of like boards are watching each other to see who makes the first move. I think now you've got cricket South Africa have done this. For instance, a worst case scenario: imagine cricket West Indies decided to do something similar, forfeit an international series to hold, you know, hold a CPL tournament or something like that. It wouldn't be so taboo because the precedent has been set by cricket South mm-hmm. Africa doing it earlier. So now it's almost given like permission and leeway for other boards to follow suit. And obviously, if you're following the money trail, the money's coming into the franchise league, not international cricket. I mean, international cricket, most sides and boards operate at a loss, which is why for Cricket South Africa, why would you host an ODI series against Australia where you're probably just about break even when you could have a domestic T20 tournament, which brings you in millions and millions of dollars? So I think that's the question. I think it does. I think, Mash, this is just the start, the beginning. You know, this is unprecedented territory we're in. It's early days, but I think this is we're going to see more and more of that rollover in the coming months. And years. So um, essentially what we're saying, Mash, is, sorry, it's a good thing uh, we have day jobs because this episode will probably get us cancelled, as I said, for most most franchise work or T20 cricket analysis. But I think we're just being honest, Mash. I think a lot of cricket fans are asking, where is this going? Where is this new frontier heading? And how much is too much, I guess, at the end of the day? How much T20 cricket is too much? Like what... Where where does this put fandom and where does this put the step, sport of cricket, which we've all loved and followed for years and years? Where are we heading and what direction is going? And from our perspective, it's not a good direction. 
I guess there's no better way to kind of wrap the show, people. As ever with some of our shows that we do on 99.94, this may end up being another trilogy series that we look at. I'm fairly certain that this episode's going to get some tan- some tongues wagging and some comments sent towards us. So as ever, get if you're watching this on YouTube, put them in the comments below. If you're listening to this on the podcast app of your choosing, at us, at Carib Cricket. Until next time, stay locked in. Thanks for listening to West Indies on 99.94 where we speak cricket every day. Please rate, review and subscribe wherever you enjoy your podcasts. You can download the 99.94 app and follow us on Twitter at 994DM and at Carib Cricket. Never miss out. Join our 24-7 conversation on social media and follow us at 9994DM. Cricket every day, your way. Get ready, race fans, because the ultimate NASCAR experience is about to hit the airwaves. Welcome to Pit Pass NASCAR, the podcast that takes you deep into the heart-pounding world of NASCAR racing. Join us each week as we bring you closer to the NASCAR action with exclusive interviews and all the news and rumors you need with your favorite drivers, team members, and industry insiders. So whether you're a fan of super speedways, short ovals, or road racing, or you've just watched Talladega Nights, Pit Pass NASCAR is the podcast you've been waiting for. Get ready to fuel your passion for NASCAR like never before. Subscribe now to Pit Pass NASCAR on your favorite podcast platform or head to evergreenpodcast.com and get ready to join us. Monty in the fall on Evergreen Podcast Network. Follow us on social media at pitpass underscore NASCAR to stay up to date with everything you need to know about the podcast. <laughs>